Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we're going to look at the readings for the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. If you would like to hear the readings, that is found on our reading podcast, which is dropped previous to this one. We're going to look specifically at St. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. And this is a really straightforward event. We have this man coming to Jesus and asking, how do I get into heaven? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. And this man says, yes, and I have kept them. How do I get into heaven? And then Jesus says, sell everything. And, and, and I, I think he says it really cool, calm, and collect. Doesn't blink an eye, has, has the answer ready. And the last verse, verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, and for he had great possessions. He was rich. That's the end. That's the whole text right there summarized in, in the, the, those few words. And the, the implications of this text is really huge. And there's a lot of application to and for us today. The first thing that I'd like to start off with is this man runs. This man seeks out and finds Jesus. This isn't a happenstance. This isn't he was walking by and Jesus just so happened to be there. He went looking for Jesus. And then on top of this, to talk to Jesus, he says, good teacher. Mm -hmm. And this is a big deal because uh, when we say good in Scripture, this is something to denote a denote and point to God. Uh, in the Old Testament, specifically Genesis, at the end of every day of creation, God says, this is good. And this is actually saying, this is my creation, and because I made it and I am good, this is good. Only God is good. I think that's interesting for us English speakers because we say good for a lot of things. We even say good sarcastically, we say it dismissively, you know, so on and so forth. So I think it loses this emphasis that mm -hmm. this man really brings. And so uh, right before we were recording, I asked Vicar, do you think that this man understood or had any inclination that Jesus was not just a good teacher, and I mean that he spoke well or had nice things to say, but actually had a inclination that this might be God or the Messiah. What do you got, Vicar? Uh, you asked me this before the recording, and I still don't have a really good answer now. I, I gave I gave you a few minutes to think about it. But it's interesting because he, he does come reverently. Mm -hmm. um, we see that he ran up, knelt before him, and yeah. then he gives him gives Jesus this label of good teacher, like you mentioned. That's really only used for one specific person in the Old Testament, uh, being God. So it's it's interesting that he comes respectfully, uh, and in this idea of whether or not he sees Jesus as God, 
is definitely something to struggle with and wrestle with. Um, I think there's a little more going on to it, as we'll we'll get to in a few minutes with the rest of this text. Um, but I kind of see this as he's recognizing that Jesus is someone special. Okay. Perhaps someone with uh, a certain level of status and authority at this point, having seen what Jesus has been doing or heard about what Jesus is doing. But I'm not ready to elevate this guy's label of Jesus as being a good teacher all the way up to his recognition of Jesus as God. I think it's more of a status thing, a, a level of identity, someone who's recognized in the community, but I'm not sure he fully understands that uh, Jesus is God. So I, I'll agree with you, but I'll also struggle with the aspect that he kneels before God, because that's a that's a posture of worship reverence. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm curious about that. And scripture doesn't reveal because his question is not a question that takes place in worship, but the kneeling aspect is an, an act of worship. So I I'll go with where you're going. He sees Jesus as different, not just a another guy who has some uh, fancy stuff to say, but this is a place of honor. This is a, a prestige. And I will even go as far as to say that by doing this, he's connecting himself to the good teacher. Mm-hmm. And as uh, I like what you said, status and position. And so um, he asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I love this question because we still ask this question today. What do I need to do to get into heaven? And we can take this one of two ways. What's the bare minimum of effort (laughs) that I need to do? How much law do I really need to complete to make God happy and open the door? Or when is enough enough? So it's either give me the give me the highlights. What right. do I really need to yeah. know, Jesus? I, cut through all the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Give me the essentials. <laughs> what is it? The Cliff Note version. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go with that. This man is really actually very concerned, and he's sincere with this question. I, I don't think that he's boastful. I don't think he's um, trying to to shortcut. I, I think he's an honorable man, and he's really asking this question. And I, I think it's the right question. Mm-hmm. I think he's doing it for the wrong motivations. Sure. Because he's going to point back to, look what I've done so far. And that comes out really in his question. Right. Um, because it's this weird, uh, it's this understanding of inheriting eternal life, mm-hmm. which seems to imply this aspect of it being a gift, mm-hmm. the gift of eternal life, something that you are given. But he also asks, what must I do? To inherit. How do I earn an inheritance? How do I earn it? Uh, It's conditions-based. I do something, and then I get this in return. And if we're thinking about this young, rich man, um, that could make sense with his identity Mm -hmm. of being rich. Uh, If you think about someone who has a lot of wealth, typically they kind of think transactionally. Um, Mm -hmm. I do this, and I get that. And that could be at play here. But we have this weird interplay between me doing something and being given eternal life, earning eternal life. And, and I, I think it's amazing. He goes to God, Jesus, the Word made flesh, and says, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Instead of going and saying, here you are, how do I participate in what, or how do I believe, you know, so on and so forth. So I think it's interesting because, again, as you pointed out, what must I do? Where's my action? Where's my work? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? 
I think that's fascinating. Uh, no one's good except God alone. Notice the rich man doesn't answer that. He just lets that hang. And I don't think he knows what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I think he's looking for this transaction. I think he's looking for this answer. And not that he's uh, myopic in, in scope, but the whole idea that's beyond what he's asking or where he's going. So he just leaves that hanging. It, it's interesting, too, because it's almost like Jesus wants us to ponder this title mm-hmm. that this man has given him, good teacher. Yeah. Because before he answers this man's question, he makes a point to say, why do you call me good? So it's almost interjecting <laughs> before he gives his response to his actual question. He's like, wait a second, you called me good teacher. Mm-hmm. I need to say something about that first. I-, I wonder if it's something to the effect that Jesus is kind of hinting at, you named me right. Do you know what you just called me? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Because he goes on to say, Jesus, no one is good except God alone. So right. that gets back to your question earlier. Does this guy actually know Jesus is God? Uh, yeah. If he doesn't, is Jesus kind of subtly <laughs> hinting at that here with his question and answer given that no one is good except God alone? I, I think so. And again, subtly, uh, one thing that I appreciate about Jesus is he's really clear in what he's saying and doing, but he's also not flashy about it, mm. nor is he going to rub it in your face. And, and I, again, I like the idea that you called me a good teacher and you totally missed what you just did. <laughs> and again, nicely about that. But Jesus continues, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And in my mind's eye, I see this rich man, I see his eyes lighting up. And he's like, okay, 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 yeah, yep, yep, because of his answer. Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. He is excited to tell Jesus what he has done. I don't think this is bragging. I don't think this is boastful. I don't think he's, uh, you know, standing up with his chest puffed up. I think he's excited because, hey, Jesus, I haven't murdered anybody. I still like my parents and I still take care of them. I'm not defrauding people. I'm not sleeping around. I'm not doing anything. I've kept these commandments. And I can't tell you how excited I am. This is what you've talked about. I think that is a really good picture of the the attitude and mm-hmm. kind of the tone and tenor of this conversation, because it seems to fit with this idea that this this man genuinely cares. Right. He's actually concerned. He's truly inquiring about what to do. Uh, and I think that comes out here that he's, as you're saying, he's kind of excited. Well, yeah, I've done those things, but he's still kind of seeking what else there is to be done. What also I like about how Jesus brings up the commandments, he leaves some out. This is all the second com- uh, second table of the commands. It's mm-hmm. all about relationships. So we're talking about this man and other people. Right. And, and so, and I think this is what his wealth has provided him. I think he's well-educated. I think he is a pillar of the community. I think his parents have taught him good manners. He knows how to treat other people. And I think his wealth provides him the opportunity to actually do good things. 
we would call this civil righteousness. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean that he's motivated by faith to give to the poor, act to the poor. He just knows that this is a good thing and he probably should be helping out. And so he's done all these commands because he knows them. He's been taught. He, I think he's a good Jew. I think he goes to synagogue and, and temple often. But I also think he's doing this superficially. I think he's looking and saying, yep, I haven't killed anybody. Totally missing the point that hate actually includes murder and so on and so forth. So we're getting a little bit of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount exactly. here floating in the background in our minds. Right. And again, what I appreciate about Jesus is he leaves it superficial. The second table of law I, I lay before you. And he doesn't say, have you hated anybody? Have you lusted after, you know? And he leaves it there. And then he said to him, uh, I have kept all these. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him mm -hmm. and said to him. And I, I want to stop before he, he says the big answer. That statement loved him. Jesus knows what he's going to say. Jesus knows this man's heart. Jesus knows this man's situation. He's doing this out of love. Mm -hmm. Jesus is not saying, ha, 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 silly rich man, you've got it all wrong, you've messed it up, and I'm going to show you how bad you are. Out of love, he's going to point to what this man's obstacle to faith is. I also think it's really interesting, um, dear listeners, if you've heard sermons, and especially Bible class, you'll, you'll, you've heard me say that I don't particularly like cliches. And I don't like cliches that are actually right and that they actually mean what they say. And Jesus really meets this man where he is. He brings to, a, to an understanding, you've kept all these commandments, let it be superficially, but you did this because you know these are good things to do. But have you really given thought to the depth of this and I, where it goes? And I think with that, um, that, that kind of affirms what we were mentioning earlier, that this man does come with genuine concern, right. yeah. uh, and Jesus responds with compassion, mm -hmm. which is kind of the opposite. <laughs> I don't know if the opposite is the right word, but it's, it's different than how he typically responds when people come with kind of a combative nature. Oh, yeah. If you think about his interactions with the Pharisees. And never, Mark never says, looking at the Pharisees with love, yes. Jesus said, yeah. it's more of a, he knows he's in an argument. Right. It's a battle of wits, if you will. Yeah. And Jesus is going to respond accordingly, given the, the nature of the conversation. But with this man, he loved him. Hmm. He shows compassion on him. Because like you were saying earlier, this guy seems to be kind of on the right track, but not really getting it correctly. Um, and that that kind of comes out here, I think, in the way that Jesus responds with this loving compassion uh, and, and then obviously what he responds with next. Right. And this is a statement of love. You lack one thing. And you know that this man's like, okay, lay it on me. I'm ready. Tell me what I need to do. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have the treasure in heaven and come follow me. This is an invitation. It's also a command, but it's an invitation. And Jesus simply is saying, and I always love it when I feel the need to say what Jesus really means. <laughs> what, what Jesus is saying is, this is in your way. Let go of this and follow me. 
And I, that's a huge statement. And it's done out of love. It's not done out of um, the fact that, you know, some people say that Jesus, God, hates rich people and needs to, to humble them. It's nothing like that. This man holds on to his wealth. I believe he's intimately wrapped up in his wealth, and this is part of his identity. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a bad and evil and mean thing. It's just he doesn't know life without it. And for Jesus to make this statement, he can't see that. What is life without my my whatever, my wealth, my house, my prestige, my societal place? That, that that's too big for him to to grasp because that's his identity. That's what he knows. And this is where this text uh, really comes alive for for really anybody mm-hmm. listening to it, reading it, because yes, it is about money and possessions in this respect that this young man had money. Yeah. He was rich, but the text is also about whatever it is. Mm-hmm that's in the way of your identity being fully found in Jesus. This is a first commandment issue. Again, not mentioned in the commandments that Jesus lists. lists. It's a first commandment. What comes before God? So shifting uh, where earlier in the earlier verses, he's talking about the second table, as mm. you mentioned, relationship between this man and other people. Right. And in that regard, he seems to be doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. But now Jesus shifts to first commandment, God. We're talking about God issues here. Right. And he's cutting directly to this man's problem specifically, mm-hmm. which is that his identity, as you've been saying, is found in his wealth, maybe his status, right. the things that come with his great possessions. Yeah. So now we're squarely focused on first commandment issue. Yes. And it's all about the relationship of God and his creation, specifically creatures, us. And God has to tell us how to interact, how to worship, how to understand him. And this man doesn't get it. And again, it's not because he's a rebellious, evil man, but his identity, his life is wrapped up in the life that he lives in wealth. This isn't bad, but he trusts in his wealth. He understands his wealth and where it is and what it does for him. And Jesus is taking that away from him. And I I really think that this man runs away scared. What are you asking me to do? Mm -hmm. And and I don't mean this in the bad way, but it's almost as if the the rich man, do you know who I am? I'm this rich guy. These are the things that I do Mm -hmm. because I have this wealth. And again, it's not, you know, do you know who I am? But what is life without all of these things? Which immediately points to the first commandment. What is this man trusting? Mm-hmm. What is this man putting his fear, love, and trust in? It is his wealth. It's all the things that this provides. As you were saying before, this transaction. I have all this stuff, and you want me to give it to the poor? What good is that going to do? I'm trying to get to heaven. <laughs> and and I, it just opens the door. And I really appreciated your, your statement that uh, it's not. this is actually not about money. It's about money for this guy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a wonderful question. What gets in the way for you to fully, as Jesus says, follow me? And it may be money. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of us living in this country, it certainly can be that. Mm-hmm. But that's where, like I said, it, it kind of broadens this text um, where this this issue of obstacles and what is getting in the way of following Jesus is going to be 
whatever that is right. for you. Well, and before recording, we were discussing this. I, we came up with, what is your pet sin? Mm-hmm. Or, or what sins do you diminish so that you don't feel as guilty uh, committing them? Or I always love, uh, God's not really worried about those sins. Um, those sins still condemn. Those sins still take us away from God. And I, I like this statement, come follow me by giving everything up. Uh, when we look at the, the 12 disciples, they gave everything up to follow Jesus. But notice, and you brought this up with uh, St. Peter. St. Peter is married. He has a mother-in-law. But Jesus doesn't say, Peter, I need you to follow me. I need you to get divorced. I need you to sell everything. And that way you can really be committed. Mm-hmm. He says nothing like that. The other one, uh, St. Matthew, the tax collector, who has a lucrative job by ill-gotten gains. But what happens? Jesus walks by and says, follow me. And Matthew leaves everything. He sacrifices this. But Jesus doesn't say, go sell everything, then follow me. He, he does this out of faith, out of the movement of, of the work of the Holy Spirit, so on and so forth. These things were not connected to his identity, which I think is really interesting because I really do think Matthew was a tax collector. That's how he saw himself. Mm-hmm. And not until Jesus said, follow me, did that get shed? Did that get changed? And I don't think this guy, the rich man, I don't think he gets it. I don't mm-hmm. think he's willing. And I do mean that. I, I think he is unwilling to do this. Not because he sees Jesus and says, I deny God. I think he's just not willing to let go of what he has. And and we can kind of read that and think about that concept and go, well, pfft, what, what, a, what a fool, right? right. But this is, as you were kind of saying earlier, this is all this guy's ever known, maybe, is this status of wealth, this lifestyle. It might be how other people know and identify him. Mm -hmm. And to think about uh, being identified in one way or as one thing for your whole life or maybe for years and years, and then for somebody to ask you to give that up for an unknown, for, for an identity that you're not sure what it consists of. That's kind of a big ask. Yes. That's asking a lot. And so it's it is and it's it's sad that he doesn't want to go there. He isn't right. willing to do that. But at the same time, it is kind of understandable mm-hmm. when you think of the larger context here, the real life of this guy and this identity that he's having. I mean, we kind of joke nowadays about midlife crisis right. <laughs> <laughs> when you kind of have to search for your identity mm-hmm. again, perhaps. Um, that's kind of similar to what's going on. He, he only knows one thing. Right. And it's being requested of him that he give that up. That's kind of a big deal. Absolutely. And I'd like to fast forward to current present day and something with this, especially with identity. Uh, The church needs to create and show that you are a baptized member of Christ. And that's your identity. And the life that you have and the work you do is found in your connection to Christ through baptism, through hearing and receiving God's Word, through receiving the Lord's Supper, through your interactions with one another, loving your neighbor as God has loved you. And again, right there we see both tables of the law taking place, but it's always God's act, God's work being done in you, on you, and through you. And so, dear listener, I would like to challenge you. 
do the people in your life know that you are a Christian? And not simply because you told them, but because you live a life like a Christian. And and because Christianity and faith is not about show. It's not about proving it by checking off boxes. We are to live a life contrary to the world, contrary as we see the, the struggles that this rich man had. We are not tied up in this world. Please utilize your wealth. Please utilize your resources, uh, your, your talents for the benefit of your neighbor, even the world. But we do this with the motivation God has gifted us with these things to serve. We serve our neighbor and we serve God. And so I think this text is, even though it's these few verses, is just huge in implication. This is the sanctified life, but it's also the life under the law. Because if we take it, what must I do to inherit heaven? God's very clear about it. Be perfect. (laughs) Or believe that Christ died for your sins, that Christ rose for your life. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.